What happened to music that meant something? Like the Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Shamir has already experimented with house, disco, indie pop, country, and he's just getting started. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. Shamir joins us in the studio for a conversation and performance. And later, we'll review the sophomore album from London-based post-punks, Savages. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and Greg, later in the show, we're going to review the much-anticipated second album from the British band Savages. They were on the show in 2013, one of the angriest, most furious performances we ever have hosted. And now on album number two, they're giving us love songs. (laughs) That's coming up later on in the show, Jim, but first we've got some music news. That's the man who sold the world from David Bowie, of course. Uh, our minds have been on Bowie lately, Jim, with his death, the release of his new album, Black Star, that became the number one album in America, representative of the fact, Jim, from this 2015 Nielsen Music Report, the most comprehensive report of how music is distributed, bought and sold in the United States in 2015 and every year prior to that, rock music is still going strong. Despite the fact that pop artists, hip-hop artists seem to own the charts, whether it's Lady Gaga or Drake, rock is still the number one genre for album sales. 33% of all albums sold in North America are rock albums. There's a great sociological study to be done here, Greg, about how rock fans like to possess the music in physical or digital form, while pop fans, hip-hop fans, they stream, they listen, they're moving on. Yes, absolutely. Music streams are still uh, doing really well. They're up 93%. There was a report by Music Watch, which uh, talks to consumers about their habits. They found that an estimated 25 million U.S. consumers are willing to pay more money for higher sound quality on a lot of these digital streams. Uh, That's an interesting note. I think uh, Neil Young uh, is nodding his head in agreement. He came out with that Pono device a few years ago. But nobody's buying that, so I don't know how much I buy that report. The other thing that's uh, interesting about this Nielsen report, Jim, is how consumers are saying they discover new music. Radio still reaches more Americans than any other platform, according to Nielsen. 93% of consumers age 18 plus use radio each week. 61% of them say that they discover new music through radio more than any other media. 15 years into internet era, I I would think that digital is uh, way ahead of radio in terms of a discovery tool, but that's not what the survey is telling us. Hello from the outside. 
But in looking at the 2015 numbers, Adele was a music industry unto herself. 3.1% of all album sales for the year, 16% of all album sales during the six weeks since the release of 25. She had an amazing 2015. Greg, Adele also topped a new project from the BBC and Shazam, the company that helps its 100 million users identify a song they've just heard when they don't know who the artist is, but also, and I think it's important for this survey, you can find the lyrics for that artist. So the BBC wanted to see what people were searching for around the globe. Some interesting findings. You know, Western pop is worldwide. People are looking up Megan Trainer, Calvin Harris, Taylor Swift, Drake, no matter where they are, Bangladesh, China, right? But artists who sing in local languages still tend to be only looked up in that country, in that neighborhood, in that city. It's a bigger world than ever in some ways, even as it shrinks thanks to the web. The fascinating thing about the BBC study is they provide a link on their website, which we'll post on soundopinions.org, where you can see who the sister city is for wherever you're living. And there are some really strange pairings. Nuuk in Greenland, the world's northernmost capital, is partnered with Surabaya in Indonesia. People there are both looking up Lost Frequencies, Jason Derulo, Wiz Khalifa, and of course Adele. In Bournemouth, UK, sister cities with Abu Dhabi, everyone's looking up Western, Diplo, Justin Bieber, and of course Adele. Because I know you're dying of curiosity, (laughs) Chicago is one of the rare cities globally where Adele was not the most looked up artist. Here we had, I don't know if there's anything to be happy about, Host Malone. And our sister city is Johor Bari in Malaysia, where I know you've already booked your vacation. Listening to Sound Opinions, and that's hot mess from our guest this week, Shamir. Greg, Shamir is one of the young artists that we've been most excited about in recent years, and it's ridiculous how much ground this guy has covered so early in his career. As a teenager in Nevada, Shamir Bailey was a member of a bedroom pop duo, indie pop called Anorexia, and then he had his country music phase. The producer and music writer Nick Sylvester took an interest in Shamir, and they released the Northtown EP on the God Mode label in 2014. Then that was followed by Shamir's first full-length album, Ratchet. You and I both loved it. It was high on both of our best of 2015 lists, Greg. Stylistically, he's all over the map. There's electronic pop, there's old-school Chicago house music, and there's earnest singer-songwriting. Yes, Jim, we were very happy to have Shamir stop by our studio a few months back. You know, he usually performs with a full band, but he treated us to this intimate acoustic performance, a throwback to those days when he was in the open mic scene in Vegas. Now, he grew up in the desert of North Las Vegas, which is far removed from the glamour and glitz of the Strip. So I wanted to know if, as a young artist, he found the area to be a cultural desert as well. Yeah, culturally, it was definitely a desert. Um... 
I'm very happy that we had internet, and that was kind of like my wormhole through music. Pretty much close on all the good like record stores, like Tower and Wow and everything. There's probably like one record shop that I go to out there that has like some good stuff. Like I got a Jandek record from there, and I was yeah. like freaking out. Hmm. But yeah, kind of just had to like create my own little world. Well, I'm fascinated, uh, Shamir, in the path that you took to arrive at this album, Ratchet. Mm-hmm. There was indie rock. There was the, you know, anorexia duo, mm-hmm. right? the definition of indie rock. country songs that you were playing as a kid, <laughs> right? Is it just you love music, period? Yeah, I just love music, period. Um, and I've had a lot of, like, journalists, like, when they talk to me about it, they're like, so are you just, like, finding yourself, you know? And, I'm, like, I'm not trying to pigeonhole myself to, to one sound. I, hmm. I love music, and, and I feel connection to all different genres, all different styles, all different types, and... And I like to do it, you yeah. know. It's almost like no one looks at Picasso and look at all his different periods, like the blue period and everything, and be like, oh, he's just trying to find his style. It's like, yeah. no, he was, just, <laughs> he was just, you know, feeling out what he felt in that moment in time and everything. And um, that's how I feel about music. It's really more the industry than journalists, isn't it? I mean, because don't all of us who love music, you know, we may have a funkadelic record, and then we have some weird German progressive rock, <laughs> and then we got some new hipster indie thing, and then we've got some old school, you know, R&B, right? I mean, that's... I think it's more the journalist, though, because it's easier for a journalist just to kind of, like, pigeonhole and write about one thing. Mm. I think as far as the industry, they just care about what sells. <laughs> it could just yeah, but, be you yelling on a track, and if it if sells, we, they're if like, we, whatever. If we can't put it in the right uh, folder to sell, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, even record stores, you know, would would have their categories. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, the artists who, what, what category are they really? You know, uh, you seem to be one of those artists for a lot of people right now. Because if they come to you hearing Ratchet, let's say, you know, maybe some of the dance tracks that were played on radio, mm-hmm. they have an impression of what kind of artist you are. And then they hear some of the country ballads you were doing. And, and there are ballads on this record as well, but some mm-hmm. hardcore country stuff that mm-hmm. you were doing that's in your past. They, they wouldn't go, wait a minute, this can't be the same guy. <laughs> I got a back attached place for feeling. This brokenness inside me must healing. I feel like I'm someone else. I thought that maybe I could find myself. Ooh. I like the general term pop. Mm-hmm. simply just because, you know, it means popular music. And um, I think the only goal that I have with all the music that I do is just to have it to be relatable. And that's pretty much my only goal. So I like that general umbrella. But I think that's the cool thing about pop, too, is because it really only has to be relatable. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of crossover country. There's a lot of crossover rap. There's a, you know, you can always be crossover and be pop. Mm-hmm. Um and you could still kind of like experiment in the realm of genres. Yeah. 
Well, and you're in good company with people being hard to classify. I mean, it was like, what, what was that guy from Minneapolis? Oh, yeah, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> was he rock? Was he R&B? Was he soul? Was he funk? Uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, he does, like, everything, you know? So, yeah, I definitely kind of want to be down that lane. I definitely think of Prince, but one artist that I always uh, look up to as far as that is uh, Tegan and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, every single one of my albums sounds completely different, and mm. I just I just love them. <laughs> Why don't we give people a taste of what you sound like? You have an acoustic guitar here. You have the grand <laughs> piano. What are you going to play for us? Uh, I guess I'll start on guitar since it's right here. Okay. I'm going to do a acoustic version of uh, my latest single right now called uh, In to Kill. Cut me off and say goodbye. I'm ready to be sacrificed Still my loved ones I wish them well And I'm sorry And always will be Holding on desperately But you know they always weep I'm just a compromise, but uh, still, this life in my eyes stay still and surrender to the feet where pain and madness me.
In for the Kill by Shamir here on Sound Opinions. What a beautiful tune. Thank you. And the thing about that tune that strikes me always, especially now you're playing a stripped-down acoustic here, you know, is the melody is so optimistic in many ways, Mm -hmm. and the lyrics are rather dark. Mm -hmm. Holding on desperately. This is a recurring theme in your work. Mm -hmm. You, however, are... An incredibly upbeat, optimistic person. I think, Shamir, as you arrived, you hugged every one of the staff. The only other person, Greg, in 10 years of Sound (laughs) Opinions, 500 episodes I've ever been hugged by, is Mavis Staples. (laughs) So this mixture of the sour and the sweet, the optimistic Mm -hmm. and and the pain, I mean, that fascinates you as an artist, doesn't it? It does. The main reason why I started to get more into pop music and electronic pop music is um, a lot of other artists, but one particular artist called uh, Cock and Bullkit. Mm. She's a, a British pop singer, very indie, very underground, but she has a song called Hold On To Your Misery, and it's such a bubbly, upbeat pop song, almost kind of Motown-sounding, but the lyrics are so dark. You know, mm. like, the chorus is like, hold on to your misery, and there's one line in there where she says, hold on to your grief and swallow it whole, let it sit inside your belly and turn to gold. And I just love how she kind of like used those darker lyrics and kind of like when you're feeling like depressed down or just like, you know, in the blue and kind of like getting that off her chest, Mm. but not bumming people in the process. Yeah. Not wallowing in it. Yeah, exactly. And I love that. I love that formula. Um, I even have fallen into your misery tattooed on my ribs. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> it's one of my favorite uh, lyrics. And, um, and so that's what, that was one of the main goals that I wanted with the Shamir Project is mm-hmm. just to uh, be able to get things off my chest, but also still bring positivity into the world. After a short break, we'll have more conversation and performances from Shamir. And later, we'll review the sophomore album from Savages. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and that's called Call It Off from the 2015 album Ratchet by our guest this week, Shamir. Now, Ratchet's filled with those upbeat electronic dance tracks that uh, take cues from vintage house and disco. But when he stopped by Sound Opinion Studios a few months back, Shamir treated us to an intimate performance on just acoustic guitar and piano. So I asked him about how his songs evolved from that more stripped-down setting to the stompers that he performs in concert and puts on record. A lot of times just me in my room with either the guitar or the piano. That's how a lot of songs start off, especially early Shamir days or like pre-Shamir days when that's all I pretty much had. And then um, when I hit up my producer, Nick Sylvester, he's just ridiculously talented. So I was able to kind of just send him actually just phone memos of just like me and my guitar and he was able to build tracks around it, which Mm -hmm. is um, amazing. How did that relationship with Sylvester, he's a journalist, he's a producer, Mm -hmm. he's a a New York hipster, right? New York hipster. He runs runs that God Mode mode. uh, label, right? Yeah, God Mode tattoo on my arm. How old were you when you first met him? I had just turned 19. I don't know. Honestly, it was kind of like one part's trolling, one part's (laughs) not really caring, and one part's hoping for the best when Mm. I sent in my demos to God Mode because... I just figured that they were just a punk label and like they would probably just like laugh at my little pop bedroom demos. (laughs) Yeah, this is probably a month before I had turned 19 and um, I sent them to Nick and he actually responded the next day. And then within three months, he flew me out to New York. Wow. Yeah. And that was uh, plane ride number one. Plane ride number two. Number two. So (laughs) not too many plane rides in your past. So this must have been a huge deal to go from this Vegas country desert location to New York City to record. Exactly. And, like, I've always loved, like, the whole, like, New York music scene and everything. But I never had big city dreams like that. Like, I was going to move to Arkansas before that. And then he was just like, come to New York first. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'll come to New York, record music. And, you know, if all else fails, then I just can, like, (laughs) go back home and save up again. Yeah. Yeah, I went to New York, and now I'm here before you. (laughs) I'll never be able to love And I'm content with that you, you came out with the EP in, in 2014, uh, Northtown, a sampling of your work, a, a huge range of material in those five songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going from the sort of neo-disco stuff to some really staggering stripped-down ballads. What kind of conversations were you having with Nick Sylvester about getting that all facets of your voice on the record? I mean, they're not all, but certainly a good good number of them. I think the kind of combination of darker lyrics with more upbeat music kind of was really flourished through Nick because I knew that I wanted to make more upbeat music, but... I guess I really didn't know how to produce it too Mm -hmm. much to kind of make it seem more sunny. And so the first track that I sent him was I'll Never Be Able to Love. That was supposed to be originally my first single, and that was already kind of going down the more, like, morbid zone. (laughs) And then I, when I first came out there, when we started working, um, I brought my drum machine. And I was like, oh, well, I have, like, this, like, really upbeat little drum demo. It's, like, the first thing that I made on my drum machine and I played it for him and like he freaked out he's like oh this sounds so much like 80s house music like I love it blah 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 and I was like 
yeah sure like <laughs> what I, is 80s house music what were is you 80s thinking? house yeah. music like i've heard of house music before but i really didn't know what it really was electronic music to me really especially been on like in vegas and everything was just like you know that big edm stuff that they have you know like diplo and all that so yeah he like schooled me and it was like kind of weird and funny because i was already kind of going down that path naturally and it's like a match made in heaven yeah uh we've got a beautiful steinway piano here we've got shamir in the house uh shamir you want to play us another song yeah (laughs) let me walk over (laughs) okay this one's demon Took me over to the dark side The thrill was sky Together we stood Like a monoday Bonnie and Clyde We'll stay and run Forget the bad things we done We were fit for survival No books but the Bible Hollowed out with a gun Turning back, you have me completely Rich to you, together we flew You're the trap that captured me And I don't want to go Don't let my mama know That I'm a ride or die And it feels so right And I've gone and sold my soul If I'm a demon, baby, you're the beast that made me Fast lane, 
you and me together, baby, always. We're on the fast lane. It's you and me together, baby, always. We're on the fast lane. It's you and me together, baby, always. We're on the fast lane. We're on. We're on. Demon from Shamir, track from his latest album, Ratchet, in very stripped down and beautiful fashion on the piano. That particular track is another example of some dark stuff describing this toxic couple, this Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> relationship. Are you drawing from personal experience here or are you just making up stories? What are you, what are you, what are you coming from? No, uh, Demon is actually the most storytelling-like song. Um, it's not from personal experience. It's actually um, a response song to a Natalia Kill song called Devils Don't Fly. Mm-hmm. And like in the song, she um, mentions like herself devils don't fly so don't expect me not to fall and like she's talking about like the person that she loves is like an angel and like they're too good for her blah 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 blah. so i was kind of like thinking well what if that person joined the dark side with her you know (laughs) devils don't fly so don't expect me not to fall devils don't happened to catch you at a festival in Chicago a few months ago. This music is so personal to you, and yet presenting it to these audiences at Pitchfork, there must have been several thousand people out there watching <laughs> you. You got this amazing drummer. You got this mm-hmm. great keyboard player. Did you have that in your mind that I wanted to present it this way? Or you clearly could have done it this way. You could have gone on a tour where you were kind of a stripped-down you know, piano guitar kind of thing. Yeah, I knew from the jump that I definitely wanted a band. I didn't want just like a DJ thing. Or hmm, that's definitely what a lot of people, you know, was expecting. Because I just love a band setting, you know. I, I come from a band background, and I just love the energy of having other people on stage with me. <laughs> I'm like a, a musician, at least on this level, by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not an attention seeker. I'm not a person who wants to be the center of attention and uh you know being a solo artist that's what people think and got nowhere to hide yeah and so that's why i love having other musicians and people on stage with me because then i feel like it's not a hundred percent completely on me Being able to present, I think, what is a very complex album in a lot of ways, emotionally. Uh, Ratchet is a record that starts on this high, and then it sort of mm-hmm. pulls back in the second half. And I almost read it like a night, you know, like a dust to dong type mm-hmm. of thing. The Vegas guy, you know, kind of giving you a perspective of what the nightlife is like, <laughs> and it's not all happy. Complex ideas, can you present those on a stage where people are, are, are looking for those up-tempo tracks and mm-hmm. want to want to applaud? Is that a difficult 
thing for you? Because, you know, we, we'd see artists like Kurt Cobain wrestling with these kind of issues. How mm-hmm. do I present what I think are pretty serious, very personal, in some cases very damaging songs to an audience that just wants to party? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that's probably the hardest thing about making my set list. <laughs> mm. But I think we found, I think we found a good balance. This is all about balance. I think when it's time to do the slower things like darker or I never be able to love like it's kind of just like spread out it's not just like oh this is time to be serious you know I kind of like to integrate it more Mm -hmm. instead of like the album but I kind of like the come down on the album because I think that's I just always love come downs like when I'm having fun or you know going to a party or whatever like my favorite thing is to like Go back home and sleep. So, uh, Shamir, uh, that word integrate that you just used, I think that's really important. We talked about uh, musically, how you want to be free to be uh, inclusive of all these different styles. But as a person, it seems like you also don't want people to pin your identity down, whether that's gender, race, religion, or anything else. Yeah, and it's not even like I'm trying not to be pigeonholed down. It's It's just who I am. I've always, just like my music, never wanted to be put in a box because I just like love everything. I get bored very easily, I guess. It's just very boring to be um, labeled to me. And I just always refuse to. And uh, I've just been blessed to have really cool parents that let me always like do me. And I think uh, if it wasn't for that, then my life probably would have been harder. I think when the people that's close to you isn't making your life harder too, Outside people doesn't matter. Forgive me for trying to hold someone to a tweet that they gave, but it's (laughs) something that people have talked about. Yeah. And I think you're being viewed as a role model for a lot of people, but you you got on Twitter and said, no gender, no sexuality, and no Fs to give. Why did you feel it was necessary to say that? Um, It was around the time that um, Call It Off came out, and um, it got a really big push to uh, a new audience for me. But um, once that push kind of happened, then... Like, I started getting, like, all these tweets and all these comments and all that blah, 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 blah. And some generally just wanted to know so they didn't, like, you know, misgendered or whatever. So I just did that tweet and to let people know that I don't I don't care. You can call me he, she. Like, I, I don't care. I'm comfortable with myself and I know who I am and what I like and what I want to do. And whatever label people want to give me doesn't affect me personally. Well, everyone is minus, you could call me multiply. Just so you know, yes, yes, I'm that guy. You could give my fingers and I'm not waving high. Yes, I'm never ending. You could call me pie. But really, how long till the world realize? Yes, yes, I'm the best. What you heard? Anything less just Obviously absurd. It is get the bird. More like an eagle. This is my movie. Stay tuned for the sequel. Seems so wrong. Seems so illegal. Set this in the back like a foul ball free throw. Yep, yep, you know that I go. This is me on the regular, so you know. This is me on the regular, so you know. Did it surprise you, the acceptance that this record has had, the amount of claim, the, the attention that it has drawn? It's super surprising. Um, a lot of people think uh, Shamir is a stage name. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's, that's, my, that's my God-given birth name. And had I known that anybody will listen to my music, I probably wouldn't have used my real name. Well, you did say earlier when I decided to become Shamir. 
Yeah, because Shamir doesn't, because now Shamir doesn't even feel like me anymore. It feels like a project, you mm. know? It doesn't, mm. like, it's Shamir me and then Shamir the project. Mm. I don't think it's one and the same. It's two different things. Mm. Do you want to play another song for us? Yeah. Uh, I'll do Darker. Incredible rendition of Darker on the Grand Piano there by Shamir on Sound Opinions. So are you going to blow minds with the next record? Is it going to be 
nobody's going to expect what it sounds like and it's going to come from some musical area that nobody's expecting i don't know it's not gonna be too crazy i'm not trying to like you know give people shock but um i've been working pretty much since since this album been out maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit before just because i don't want to be in the situation where it's like oh i'm done touring this album it's like oh no i have to sit down and like start writing and everything i'm just like i just stay writing Mm -hmm. i think it's better that way Shamir, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for coming on Sound Opinions. Thanks for the hug. Thank you. That was so much fun. And we want to turn it over to you. What do you think of Shamir's music? Are there other musicians you admire for refusing to be put into a box? Let us know on our hotline at 888-859-1800. Next up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we'll review the new album from post-punk band Savages. And I'll drop a quarter into the Desert Island jukebox. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and that is the track called Adore from the new Savages album, Adore Life. Silence Yourself came out in 2013 from this UK quartet. Uh, What an album it was, what an impression they made. Jim, you and I both saw them at South by Southwest, and my initial reaction when I first saw them was like to take two steps back every time they played. Mind blown. Because they came at you full force and uh, made quite an impression seem to have no trouble at all developing this stage persona, you know, at big festivals like Coachella. Later on, they came through for a club tour. An amazing debut in 2013 between the album and their live performances. And now we finally get the official follow-up to Silence Yourself. It's called Adore Life. We're going to play a track from it before we review it. The track is called The Answer from Savages on Sound Opinions. If you don't love me, And you're glad it's you, and you're glad it's you. 
answer by Savages from album number two, Adore Life. What is the answer, Greg? Love is the answer, Jenny Beth tells us in the song Adore Life. She repeats over and over again, I adore life. Now, Silence Yourself was a furious diatribe against nihilism, solipsism, and the disconnectedness of the modern universe. These women were angry. Anger is an energy, and it makes people nervous when it comes from women. That incredible guitarist Gemma Thompson told John Perellas in a great profile in the New York Times. Savages went to New York nine nights of shows in a row to hone this material and then recorded this album of love songs. Mm. Mind you, these are really twisted love songs. A lot of left turns. I adored this band on the first album. I adore it on this album. This gets my most enthusiastic by it. I listened super critically because I love that first record so much, I didn't want to give them a pass on the second. I think this shows real growth in the way that post-punk, art-punk bands like Husker Du or Wire grew with every subsequent album, showing depths that we only could have guessed at in the past. I think this record is that good to be mentioned in that company, as well as Joy Division, Gang of Four. There are a lot of reference points, but Savages ultimately don't sound like anybody but Savages. Such invention. Jenny Beth is an incredibly captivating lyricist and front person, and every one of the instrumentalists is every bit as unique on her instrument as the leader is. I, I mean, this. I love this band. I adore it. Buy, buy 10 copies and give them the people in your life, and they will thank you for it. So what do you really think, Jim? I'm, I'm not sure you're being clear enough for people. About, uh, band's yeah. pretty okay. Yeah, no, it's a pretty okay band and a pretty okay record for sure. You know, I, I love the, the one song in the middle of the record, I Need Something New. Jenny Beth is spitting that out. Yeah. And it's kind of a funny song because as I'm reading that song, uh, she's in the middle of some lovemaking that really isn't exciting her, and, and she seems somewhat bored, and she's spitting this out, I need something new, and I think it's also a manifesto for the band, but it's also this kind of hilarious commentary on this situation in the bedroom. So many and levels, yeah. I never expected to hear that side from Savages based on what I was hearing in that first album because it was just like a fist in your face. Mm-hmm. The vulnerability, the, the sense of humor, obviously desire, that's powerful stuff. You mentioned the, uh, the band as a whole, and I just think they're extraordinary. I think Thompson, as a guitar player, is using the guitar as a sound machine. She yeah. is not playing traditional chords or riffs or notes even, but you know, creating these walls of sound, this, these walls of texture. Isa Hassan, the, the mm-hmm. bass player, is basically the lead instrument. She is a virtuoso. Faye Milton not only drives the beat as a drummer, but she's got an almost orchestral feel to some of those parts. I mean, you could almost sing some of those drum parts because they act as little hooks and riffs in the song. And Jenny Beth is a volatile lead singer. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get from her in terms of one line could be extremely violent, the next line could be tender. They're saying love is a great thing, but it's messy. And they love the mess. They love the mess. This is a buy it record for me. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Remember, we were shipwrecked together. Stranded, 
as often as possible here on Sound Opinions. One of us takes a trip to the desert island, pops a quarter in the jukebox, and plays a song we can't live without. Greg, I'm eager to hear yours. Yes, I'm eager to play it, Jim. And we've been inundated uh, with a litany of deaths lately in the rock and soul world. And Otis Clay was among them, the great soul singer out of Chicago. He died January 8th at age 73. And it was very sad to see Otis go because he was one of the genial gents of, of the soul scene in Chicago since the 60s. He actually grew up in the soul circuit, came out of Mississippi, moved to Chicago, was singing uh, gospel music early on in his career, and in fact, he was a great soul vocalist as well. He recorded some really gritty singles for the wonderful label in the 60s in Chicago. They didn't really gain any traction commercially, but where he had his greatest fame is when he went to Memphis in the 70s to start recording with Willie Mitchell, who was running that studio where where Al Green also made his greatest recordings. Now, the song I'm going to play has a tie-in with another rock death, Glenn Fry of the Eagles as well, died, died recently. And uh, the Eagles recorded a song called The Long Run as one of their final recordings in the initial era of the band. And, I'm eager uh, to see how this is going to tie out. Apparently that song was based on the song that I'm now going to play, ah. Otis Clay's Trying to Live My Life Without You, perhaps his biggest hit among those Memphis recordings in the 70s. In fact, Bob Seger was pretty upset with his pals, the Eagles, for recording The Long Run because it said, wait a minute, you ripped off Otis's song. So Seeger, <laughs> as his way of paying back Otis Clay, recorded Trying to Live My Life Without You on his live recording and made it a top 10 hit. But the original by Otis Clay is still the one you need to own. Trying to Live My Life Without You from Otis Clay on Sound Opinions. Greg Cott's Desert Island Jukebox pick, The Great Otis Clay, Trying to Live My Life Without You, Dead at the Age of 73. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week we've got a classic album dissection of Patti Smith's Horses. 
Special thanks to Adam Yaffe for recording Shamir this week. Sound Opinions was produced by Robin Lin, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Libby Gormley. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Jimmy Gregg, this is Matt. I'm in Fairfax, Virginia. I just listened to the podcast uh, with your tribute to David Bowie. I thought you guys did a great job. I really loved how even at the end he inspires different opinions and, and different mixes and different reactions. I think you'd get a kick out of that. Uh, I just wanted to say, I've always been more of a Bowie respecter than a Bowie lover. But the thing that I always loved about Bowie, even not being a super fan, how uh, as he advanced in age, he stayed a tastemaker and stayed involved in music. I remember back in the day reading that he was showing up at shows like uh, Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, and Arcade Fire, and all those bands, and wasn't a guy who looked backward, wasn't a guy like so many of his contemporaries who were just yelling about their legacy or telling all these younger bands to get off his lawn. He stayed involved uh, and, and stayed relevant. So God bless you, David Bowie. Thanks for all you did. And uh, thanks, Jim and Greg. Hi, my name is Andres Ospina. I'm coming from Santa Monica, California, I'm from Colombia originally. I work at a school, an elementary school, and I run the parent band. Just like you said in his, in your show about him, the period in the 80s did sound a bit too commercial. Uh, however, I, I listened to Under Pressure. I had never heard it as I did this week. I listened to it and I could sense the intense emotion that both him and Freddie Mercury put into a song and was absolutely taken by it. And we ended up performing it for the school. school. It was very emotional. It was amazing. It was amazing. David Bowie is someone that I rediscovered now this week, and I'm really happy about that.
be myself and grow into myself. It is strange to, you know, to mourn the death of someone you never met and didn't know, but I really do feel like that he knew me through his music. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Christian calling from North Carolina. Really enjoyed the Bowie show. It was one bright spot in an otherwise pretty sad week. And I wanted to share this quote I found while uh, dejectedly scrolling around online. When in doubt, listen to David Bowie. In 1968, Bowie was a gay, ginger, bonk-eyed, snaggletooth freak, walking around South London in a dress, being shouted at by thugs. Four years later, he was still exactly that, but everyone else wanted to be like him, too. If David Bowie can make being David Bowie cool, you can make being you cool. Plus, unlike David Bowie, you get to listen to David Bowie for inspiration. So you're one up on him, really. He inspired so many of us to feel okay about being who we were when society around us often did the opposite. His music touched our souls. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.